back to the Meaning of Podcast. I am Ace. This is Arthur Thierry. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And we are still here on our new YouTube channel, First Cut. First Cut. Um, hopefully you guys are now subscribed to First Cut. Yeah. If you are, then you are seeing this video. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, we did our top 10 movies of 2018. Now we're going to do our another list, something yeah. that we did last year. And that is talking about the top five directors of 2018. Now, these are the directors that I basically said took 2018 by storm. Every year, there's directors that stand out just as much as their movie does. And that's the kind of directors I want to talk about. I want to talk about directors that stand out. Um, Basically, uh, the way I quantify this is box office success, critical success, and conversation. Basically, who's in the conversation um, who's starting conversations? Who's picking up steam as far as directors-wise in 2018? Who did that the most? Uh, last year, we did an episode, and we talked about people like Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, Patty Jenkins. Um, those are some examples of directors that really took 2017 and made it their own. Um, we're going to do that once again, and we're going to do that with 2018 RB3. Do you have any thoughts on directors that took this year by storm? RB3? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a small list I think that we could really say are like the truly stand out. I feel mm. like when we're talking about this age of like comic book movies, IPs, adaptive stuff, like the director's vision rarely pops out into like full form and a lot of blockbuster mm. sense. Uh, so a lot of times we, you know, we got to plot that. And I also want to applaud, I mean, you know, we talk a, a, a little bit about, you know, how with the box office influence, but I feel like some directors didn't have the box office influence because they didn't have necessarily the opportunity to have the big box office too. So I'm, I'm probably, for me, for me, I'm, I'm thinking of it uh, as much about impact, but also about, uh, almost the same way that not the same way that because Oscars is like all political, but you know also about like wh- what is the best who 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 made the biggest name who made the biggest splash for themselves. Yeah, you know with you know a lot of times it's newcomers, but also a lot of times it's the veteran director who's coming back after you know some time of not having the the best performing films or whatever you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it, it could be a mixture of all of that too. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, definitely directors that that, like you said, had a vision and completed their vision and saw yeah. their vision on screen. So many times nowadays we see studio movies that feel like studio movies that feel like 20 people had a hand in this and, and 20 people made this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we want to pick directors that had a clear vision and had that vision accomplished all the way through. Um, yeah, let's get into it, man. I, I guess I'll start things out. Um, I'm going to start, I mean, obviously there's a lot of directors that I did not include on this list. Mm. Um, I don't want to do honorable mentions just cause I feel like that's too much. Uh, but unfortunately there's going to be a few directors that I exclude that almost made my list. So sorry to those people. I really feel like you did make an impact in 2018, but I want to feel the biggest impact. And that's why I chose these directors that I have right here, starting with number five and number five RB three. I have Two directors. Count them. Uh, One, two. The and Rice, they happen to be brothers. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, at number five, I got the Rooster Brothers with Avengers Infinity War. You know can't. what's funny, man? This is number five, which means I I was uh, this they were not gonna be I on my it, list, man. Yeah, three. I was moving things up and down. I was I was taking directors off, I was putting them on, I was thinking about things, I was picking other indie directors a little bit more that made smaller movies. But I keep coming back to the Rooster Brothers. And you know why? Because I feel like 
they've done other movies in the past that people might have enjoyed more. They did Captain America uh, uh, Winter Soldier. They did Civil War. But I really feel like this is the time where they're standing out in this movie the most. Where in Captain America Winter Soldier and in Civil War, um, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, the story, other elements of that movie, of those movies, kind of stood out the most. I feel like the Rooster Brothers are finally a household name now with Avengers Infinity War and what they created with this new... Uh, balance of all these heroes with Thanos, with Thor, with all these different storylines that, like I said last week, worked all together really, really well in a cohesive story. And the fact that they were able to balance, how many is it, 18, 19 Marvel movies? And, and that they were able to, to take all these stories and take all these characters from all these different creative directors. It, it, it's basically taking paintings from all these different artists and, and putting them all together and making a cohesive story and making a cohesive understanding of these characters is so, so, so difficult to do. And the fact that they were able to do that by uniting different visions and putting it all into one vision, to me, is one of the most challenging, one of the most breakthrough accomplishments of the year. And at the end of the day, it made a freaking $2 billion worldwide. And that is because it had an impact as far as audiences goes. Biggest opening of all time. Uh, one of the biggest all-time movies already worldwide. Uh, the Rooster Brothers were able to accomplish what many consider to be the impossible, which is putting all these movies together. And I think they accomplished that 100% successfully. That's cool, man. I mean... <laughs> Russo's. Come on, man! I, Stop I just, being a hater. I just, no, you I'm gotta get hating. off that hate train, bro. I'm hating. You, we just did. You got choo choo off we that hate train, bro. About, this is my number three superhero movie of the year. I, I just my number three movie of the year. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, 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 I see, I see all of that. Like, I completely agree. They yeah. did, they did a good job putting. I mean, dude, the fact that it's, it's from, story. like I said, it's, it's, it's all these different characters from all these different directors and all these different stories, man. That's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Well, you know that that to me. I mean, it's it's a plus. Baco also see it as being a downside too, a little bit too. Like not a downside, but like in terms of like, you know, you kind of have to. I don't know. It's it's a little bit of like they have to reduce a little bit of what they're saying to adhere to what the rest of the universe has to adhere to, which is fine. You know, that's but what that's that's, the that's an art. Movie. That's an art form within itself, man. It to, is to be, to be able to balance all that. Yeah, that's art. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I I personally wouldn't I I wouldn't consider that like you know. You don't think they had a breakout year? I yeah. Twenty eighteen for me, I put twenty sixteen as a breakout year for Civil War, but maybe it's just because I like Civil War more. Yeah, uh, but I, I I also think that uh, that you know I mean you're right though it it, it for. Making that kind of big accomplishment yeah. for 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 the Avengers films um, is amazing. Uh, it, it's tough because you you almost want to put Kevin Feige in that conversation too, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he's not he's, a director. Yeah, but you know, he, he's producing. Sure, and he's he he collected. He's the one who brought the Russo brothers into do Infinity War True. and have them put you know put put all of this entire world together. Um, this entire world of a movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, much respect to them. I mean, I I'm still pending for uh, Endgame. Maybe after that, I I declare 2019 to be the the year of the Russos. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely think that they have worked hard to 
achieve something that hadn't really been achieved before. I mean, the fact that cinema. people people were doubting this movie so much before it was coming out, man. Yeah. They were like, how are they going to put the Guardians with Captain America? How are they going to do this with that? And how are they going to balance sub- serious subject matter with having the MCU tone? And they did all of it. But do you think they that's did like all that? Do you think that's watering down their voice though? Do you think like this mm. since is since they have to since when it's a Guardians movie, it has to be a James Gunn thing. When it's a Black Panther, it has to be a little bit of a Cougar thing. When it's Thor, it has to be a little bit of a Taika Waititi thing, you know, like instead of it just being like the Russo brothers. You know you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does I- make sense, but I, I feel like they were able to bring their own to it. And, and, and I don't know if you would agree with me, but they had their own uh, moments with, with each character in their own movie, not Thor's movie, not... Guardians movie, but their own movie. Uh, Avengers Infinity War has some of the best Guardians moments. Avengers Infinity War has some of the best Iron Man moments. Avengers Infinity War has some of the best Thor moments. And it's not a Thor movie. It's not a Guardians movie. And it has some of the best moments. To me, that's that's Russo's taking the character and having fun with the character, man. It, it's, it's the idea of a fan-made uh, cohesive season finale movie. And that's what Infinity War is altogether. It's a fan- Infinity War, all cohesive season finale movie. And that's so difficult to do because it really is two fanboys making this movie and making it great and making it fun and making it enjoyable for a massive, massive audience. And that's hard to do. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, especially following something like a Justice League. Like, look at that. And obviously that's a whole mess within itself, but... You could be like, oh, Justice League didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> it really did. It had no vision. It had no fun. It had no uh, purpose. And it, and it didn't. It wasn't able to balance characters in the correct manner. It wasn't able to do that at all. So yeah. it's hard to do, man. It's much tougher. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's great that you start off a Marvel MCU mm-hmm. uh, uh, director directors uh, because I'm starting my my top five off with another MCU director of this year, and it's not Scott. It's not uh, Peyton Reed. But Mr. Ryan Coogler, I'd put it as the uh, at the, number five. Um, well, damn, was well, this like a specific order that you yeah, want to do? I this? did. Like, I, I don't know about you. Did I you? Just, I just have like a five, five oh, like five. Okay. You know what I mean? I have like five. Man, I made an order to this. Um, but, I mean, I want to celebrate. <laughs> order goes equally. out the window. No, well, no it's I mean, great. We, I mean, no, it's I fine. mean, the order. Yeah, we could do. I mean, I, I just have to think of an order for like two seconds. Um, but uh, I, I, I particularly look at Ryan Coogler with, with Black Panther and. Uh, the accomplishment that that movie had as the pinnacle of the MCU for 2018, at least for me, like, and even though you know internationally, Infinity War made two billion dollars, uh, Black Panther is still the highest-grossing Marvel movie in the United States, the biggest comic book movie in the United States, and the second biggest, I think, the third biggest movie uh, of all time uh, domestically. Um, that's crazy. So that, and, that's when you know you did something. Yeah, yeah, it had yeah. a real cultural touchstone. It touched. Uh, the black community, the comic book community, uh, mass audiences in general, the critical community, the critical community, the academy, maybe. Yeah, you, I mean that's, dude. Yeah, we'll, we'll let's just say we'll get to him later in my list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but and you know, I, I even distinctly remember watching Black Panther at uh, the, the premiere. premiere. Yeah, and um, and when he and you know when you know of course at every premiere they do the thing where all the cast and crew comes out and everybody claps and stuff. Um, when Cooler came out, man, I'm telling you, this gi- ginormous, massive, uh, what's theater? It's not the El Capitan. It was the... Uh, the Egyptian? Uh, not the Egyptian. It's Chinese? the one... Chinese. Is that the Chinese? Massive Chinese theater. 
everybody, everybody in the theater stood up and gave this dude a standing yeah. O for like five minutes, bro. Like, yeah, it, five minutes. This dude made two movies before this point, Fruitvale Station and Creed. And see, it's also tough because you think, oh, maybe Creed, maybe 2015, maybe that's maybe the year we call it, the, the year of Ryan Coogler. But no fight way. Black Panther really solidified, uh, mm. so for one, solidified the talent level, for two, solidified the box office prosperity that uh, this guy has. Um, for three, just the overall global impact that this movie had uh, from a from a race perspective, uh, from a uh, political perspective, and from a general breaking comic books into the um, not into the mainstream, but the critical, the high, the high regards mm. uh, is really breaking a lot of ceilings. And for that, I have to award Ryan Coogler. <sighs> Uh, the highest of regards. One hundred percent, man. Yeah. Well, let's keep going on that train, choo choo, all the way down that train, because I'm going back to another comic book movie that came out this year, mm. and it came out towards the end of this year. Once again, every single person on my list is is up and down, off, on. Um, this list is very difficult. It was it was hard to make because I was picking a lot of other directors as well that I wanted to include, but I, as much as I tried to take this person off the list, he kept getting back on because I feel like this guy reinvigorated something that was on the brink of death, to be honest, man. And, and especially with the movie that I just mentioned before, Justice League, and that's the DC Universe. It's the director of Aquaman himself, James Wan. <laughs> James Wan made a true spectacle masterpiece with Aquaman. It is a true spectacle, CG, crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top, insane. insane movie. And that is what Aquaman was. It is a two-and-a-half-hour ride of craziness, uh, of of visual masterpiece that it is. It, it, it is it is ridiculous. It is in your face. It is over the top. It's a blast. It's so much fun. It, the time flew by for me. And on top of that, it 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 really did reinvigorate the DCEU. It 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 brought it back from the brink of death, man. It pulled the Lazarus effect on the DC universe because it, this is this was something that besides Wonder Woman this thing was going off the shit man we this year we were losing Henry Cavill as Superman we were losing Ben Affleck as Batman yeah. we were losing the future uh movies that were in in store everything seemed pretty dire when it came to these movies and while it was being made the DCU was like dead in the water mm. when James Wan was making this movie when he was actually in production Everyone was talking about like DCU being done, done for, and 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 Aquaman coming in at the worst time ever because no one cares about the DCEU anymore. No. And here it comes out, and it breaks all these boundaries. It breaks all these characters. It introduces new stories for people to 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 enjoy, and it makes a ton of money globally as well. Man, this movie has done money. I believe it's at nine forty five. Uh, globally yeah, right now, which is almost a billion dollars. That's huge, man. Yeah. And the fact that it came out a couple weeks ago, too. China loves that CGI. China loves it, man. China loves this movie. And that's when CGI. you make... Yeah, man, that's CGI spectacle. Mm. It is... Um, a, a, I believe one of the most fun movies of the year, one of the biggest spectacle movies of the year. And if it wasn't for Avengers Infinity War, I told my brother, if it wasn't for Avengers Infinity War, this would be the CG spectacle movie. Because Avengers Infinity War was basically, like we talked about before, a giant CG spectacle movie. Um, and this movie did it as well. but And it did it almost just as well as Infinity War, in my opinion. And, and for that, man, James Wan should be given so much credit just for bringing DC's heart back to life. 
just for pulling a Neo <laughs> and freaking pumping that heart and just putting your hand in there and just being like, come back. Yeah. Like just for that itself, James Wan deserves to be on anyone's list. Yeah, no, that's definitely noteworthy. Mm-hmm. I, I even I even when we thought about when we're thinking about this list, I thought about putting James Wan on there just for that, just for bringing that to life. Yeah. Uh, man. Cause man, woof, there's some dark times there. It was dark by, times. By the way, man. I, st- I still miss I still miss Zack Snyder. Still miss Me him too. a little bit. Um, but, uh, you're you're talking to a Zack Snyder fan. But I I like if if we're gonna keep giving people like James Wan and Patty Jenkins these opportunities because they're obviously having a lot of fun with the, these properties. Yeah. I think Ava DuVernay's uh, doing a DC film as well, right? The Eternals. That's right. Yeah. So let's see how that rolls too. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe she'll have a comeback after. Oh, a wrinkle in time. And what's great too is that the action set pieces in this movies uh, in this movie is some of the best I've seen. That's year, that's man. that's the most notable thing for me. The like, action set pieces yeah. are so. I mean, the the freaking Italy fight scene was yeah. like blowing my mind. The camera was going back and forth between Mira yeah. and Aquaman, and it was mm. swinging back and forth mm. through these rooftops of Italy. I was like, oh my god, why aren't more people freaking out in the theater right now? Because I was yeah. freaking out. I was like, was oh shit. And everyone next to me was kind of chill. And I was like, yo, this camera is like showing you two perspectives of two fight scenes at the same time. That's yeah. that within itself is to give James Wan so much credit, man. Yeah. I mean, this is the director of Fast and Furious 7, which is another yeah. um, franchise movie. movie. Yeah. That is also crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous how well shot the, the action scenes are. Yeah. And this movie does action on a, a level of 10. Mm-hmm. It's always at 10. Mm-hmm. Like the speakers are blasting in your face at 10. And it's yeah. so cool. 100%. Yeah. Who's uh, your number four, man? My number four, and I might need you a little help, a uh, little bit of your help pronouncing uh, the homie's name, but uh, the, the the brother who did uh, Hereditary. Uh, Ari Aster? Ari Aster. That's how you pronounce it? Yeah. Ari Aster is my number four pick uh, for Hereditary, of course. Mm. Uh, that was my number, number one movie of the year. Yeah, your number one movie was my number 10. And it was uh, all the Wingers' number ones, too. Yeah, it was all, it was all, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, yeah, so for me, I, uh, I, I put this as my number four pick because this is one of the biggest A24 movies they've ever done. Mm. Um, this movie uh, has been remarkably successful in terms of, <clears throat> excuse me, this movie has been remarkably successful in establishing uh, that directorial style that this guy has, the talent that he possesses, and also for a first time feature being this celebrated and being this honestly great. I mean, any, for any anybody making a, a, a first feature, that's always tough. That's always a, an entire other hill that has to be climbed over uh, besides making a good first feature, you know? Like, that's why seeing a good first feature is incredibly difficult, uh, and that's why we have to celebrate it so much. And, and you know, Tarantino obviously had a great first feature. There's very few directors who've, whose very yeah. first film was great, but this guy, he had it. Um, so I, that's definitely worth the applause. And the cultural impact that I feel like Hereditary had is notwithstanding, because I feel like the Hereditary kind of, it didn't, I shouldn't say it spawned a conversation, but it definitely highlighted, uh, you know, psychological horror um, for a lot of people in this year. And then we saw The Haunting of Hill House also come out in 2018, which also, I, I haven't seen it had it Hereditary yet, vibes. But yeah. it, had, it had a lot of, yeah, it had a lot of, a, a lot of people make those comparisons. They're probably filming relatively close to the same time, so sure. I don't want to say one took direct influence from the other. But Hereditary helped elevate it, helped elevate, I feel like, the people's perception of, of the horror genre, yeah. the psychological horror um, of 2018. So Absolutely. Out, out of the year, this was a great year. 2018, 
Overall, it wasn't necessarily the best year in movies, but it was a great year for feature film debuts, man. Boots Riley, Carlos uh, Lopez Estrada right. with, with uh, Blind Spotty, right. Bo Burnham with Eighth Grade, yeah. uh, the homeboy who did Thoroughbreds. Um, we'll talk about another first-time feature film director who's on my list. Mm-hmm. But out of all of them, I think he made the best movie. And that's tough. That's tough to say out of all those movies because for me, Hereditary was the best out of all the feature film debuts. Um, and yeah, man, shout out to Ari Oster. Speaking of Bo Burdum, I was going to put Bur- Bur- Me too. Bro Burdum. He was, he's on my honorable mentions. I was gonna, so yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say Bo Burdum instead Me of too. Hereditary. The guy. only reason why I didn't put him in is because not a lot of people saw that movie, to be honest. Um, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know the box office. I just figured more people talked about Hereditary than sure. Eighth Grade. But um, I, I, I still want to give uh, Bo Burdum the, the highest of regards because that's also for a first feature. That's great. And obviously he had a lot of experience with YouTube. So, you know, he, he knows um, content is content. You know, sure. like, when you do it for long enough, like you do have an understanding of how to tell a story, you know. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it's like it would have been very easy for that movie, for eighth grade to feel like a YouTube movie. It would have been mm. very easy for that movie to just be a cookie cutter, like social media thing, you know. But the fact that it was so personal and so rich and so visually stunning and so um, tonically and atmospheric and stylistic uh, Bo Branham deserves the highest respects for that, too. 100%, man. Yeah. So that's your number four? That's my number four, four yeah. Ari Aster, number four. Ari Aster, yeah. Um, my number three, because um, we're going back to me, number, my number three is... Uh, Wait, number four. Huh? Oh, isn't your number three? What did you say? What was your number four? My number four was James Wan. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm sorry. I apologize. So we're going back to my number three. Okay. My number three is a director who a lot of people know, but mm-hmm. they didn't know he directed. Uh, and he made a movie that everyone freaking talked about, like it was the best movie of the year and like it was the best horror movie of the year. I don't think that was the case. I think it was an, um, one of one of the best movies of the year, sure. It wasn't in my list, but it really made an impact as a director. And that is why I put John Krasinski mm, uh, as my number three director of 2018 because when it comes to directing movies, people are taking John Krasinski more and more seriously to the point now where he made a box office successful movie and he also made a actual critical success as well. He made a movie where people were not talking about the monsters, were not talking about um, the, 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 the acting, were not talking about the scenes. They were talking about John Krasinski as a director. That's who they were talking about when they were talking about A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place and John Krasinski were in the same conversations back and forth. Every time you talked about that movie, you talked about him as a director. And I feel like that within itself is an amazing accomplishment. Not just that, because he's getting offered more and more roles and more and more uh, director-actor performance roles. And I feel like that's very difficult to do. That's rare in Hollywood. And the fact that you're able to do that successfully is even more rare and the fact that he's doing that with this movie that's a really short kind of low budget horror movie but the fact my my friend said it best over the weekend the fact that he got so many people in a the movie theater to shut up mm-hmm. and to stay shut up for a very long time mm-hmm. is a success within itself it is really really well directed that's yeah. that's one of the best things about a quiet place is the direction it's really well directed the story is 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 well told. It's well paced, and the conclusion is great, man. I mean, him and Ellie, and Emily Blunt really did accomplish a really solid, successful horror movie. And I feel like people are taking him way more seriously than they were any other time period. 
now more than ever as a director, more than an actor. Yeah. And that's fascinating because uh, we saw two examples, two major examples, at least, of uh, actors turning directors uh, and, doing this it, year. and doing it successfully. Yeah. Bradley yeah. Cooper Bradley was the Cooper other was, was Star is Born and um, obviously A Quiet Place with John Krasinski. Um, what I think is more fast, not more fascinating, but I think was which what is what I take away from A Quiet Place a little more than A Star is Born. And actually, is I don't maybe 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 maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe is is A Quiet Place really his debut? Because maybe at two he had two other films. Before a Quiet that, Place right? is not Krasinski's debut. Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born is is a debut. Okay, yeah. but we saw we saw that like that conversation turn into the mainstream. But you could tell John Krasinski had a little more experience in mm-hmm. terms of the camera. Not in terms of the camera, but in terms of like the usage of the camera, the angles. Uh, for me, the scene where Emily Blunton's, where Emily Blunton's having is is in labor, where she's giving birth, has to remain quiet through that is one of, it, that to me is, you clip that scene out, that is an all-time classic horror moment. Mm-hmm. That's an all-time classic horror moment. And the fact that that is coming from the dude who's also on the screen, because this people have to understand, being on the screen and behind the camera at the same time that's a tough task. Mm-hmm. Like you have to think for yourself and for everybody else. Uh, a lot of times, people just you know a director has to think for everybody, and the director just has to, and the actor has to think about his performance. But he's doing both, and he does a really Bradley Cooper does a really good job at it. Uh, but for Krasinski, uh, he uh, Krasinski he 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 does the on screen performance great, but the the eccentric horror elements that are taking place in the story are just so out there. And so quirky and weird, not quirky and weird, but so original, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's really inspired. And it feels like he's been a fan of the horror genre for a long time and really wanted to make this movie and encompass a lot of classic horror while also making something new and original. And now we see things like Bird Box come out mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, you know, again, maybe not direct influence because I don't know if they're filming at the same time sure. or not. But, you know, that movie definitely has... The marketing of that movie, at least, definitely plays into the angle of like the quiet place, you know, like yeah, and, and, and the definitely. quirk that it has, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's the whole like, what if you can't hear? What if you can't make a noise? What yeah. if you can't see? What yeah. if you? Yeah, it's that little quirky angle that that introduces the the horror aspect of it, right? Yeah. So I yeah, much respects to to John Krasinski uh, for that one. Yeah, I, I really feel like that is one of the the best parts of the movie is the fact that audiences can put themselves in the shoes of the characters, right? Yeah. It's like, what if you lived in a world that you can't make any noise? How would you live in that world? How would you succeed in that world? How would you make a family in that world? All those questions that, that Krasinski asks in this movie is really well done because that's what the point of a horror movie is at the end of the day is to put you in the movie and put you in the characters. Like what would I do in this horrifying scenario? Yeah. And he does that perfectly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Your number three, RB three. My number three, uh, yeah, my number three is is going to a director who really the film didn't make any. I don't think made any splashes box office wise. Okay, but it's a streaming service movie. It's not a streaming service movie in the traditional sense. It's an Amazon Prime movie. Uh, you're never really here, director oh. Lynn Ramsey. Okay, uh, you know it, that movie. I feel like it doesn't have like the biggest like. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it doesn't have the biggest box office, but sure. I feel like. But I've seen a lot of people uh, and on film Twitter who have been catching up on this movie recently because okay. they, they just put on Amazon Prime recently. I feel like I've seen a lot of people who are actually catching that movie, and when they watch that movie, everybody is having the genuinely like same kind of reaction that I had when I watched it. It's like, wow, this is an incredibly impactful film, and. 
I'm not sure. I'm not very familiar with Lynn Ramsey's filmography or like full filmography. I've I've heard of a couple of the films she's done, but this movie really opened my eyes to uh, this uh, incredible female director who is making this uh, very masculine type thriller mm. about uh, a, a assassin, a hitman who's murdering child pedophilia or child, child you know, what, what do you call it? A, a pedophile? That's what yeah. the guys Trafficker? Do. Yeah, traffic, yeah, they're traffickers too. Yeah, all that stuff. is it, 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 it bucks something that's actually really prevalent in today's age um, and creates almost like a parallel to like a taxi. This is, this is the most taxi driver filling movie I've seen ever. You know, mm. it, feels, it feels just like it has this Even style. more than uh, Nightcrawler? Um, even more than Nightcrawler, really, because um, Nightcrawler had that taxi driver feel. Yeah, but I feel like this one, this one had the the style and the offness of it, but it accentuated it to a different, you know, kind of like a a, a, a much more. I feel like it was it was almost more of a chiseled piece in terms of in terms of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not explaining this correctly. I feel like. Uh, Nightcrawler is more of a full story, where mm. this one doesn't really. This one has a story, but it's not like it doesn't have. It's it's, it's, it's less about the story, but it's more about the character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about a chiseled character piece study. To me, at least, you're never really here. Um, and I think all all all, all around, uh, I think the fact that this movie didn't get the same kind of box office pull. Of course, it's a little bit of a result of it being. Uh, from a streaming service, uh, but it's also you know it it is not like m- really mar- marketable or commercial because they exclude from showing the violence. The movie's not about the violence; it's about the person, it's about the mm-hmm. character. And I think that choice is just so strong and so powerful um, that I can't help but to recognize the director for that, just for making that kind of choice. You know, yeah. And there are there there are I was mistaken last week. There are like one or two fight scenes that you actually do see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like that's the point, you know? And for a movie to have such a direct point and for a director to execute on that so faithfully, I think is a huge accomplishment. The, this this movie did have a theatrical release, though, It did right? have a theatrical release, yeah. It came out in I think May? It, was, it April? might have been April, yeah. I think it was April. I think it was like April, yeah. yeah I remember it, when it came out, because I wanted to see it, I just didn't get the chance to. Yeah, it didn't play in a lot of theaters, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, I I just want to give a shout to the streaming services, man. I mean, Amazon. I I kind of, sh- but before I kind of pooped on Amazon because, and I still kind of do. But they, <laughs> they 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 uh they still follow the traditional sure release model of like oh it got to be in theaters and we got to wait three months before it hits the streaming, which is weird because you're a streaming platform. Can't you just put it out immediately? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of poop on them for that, but. For this movie, at least, like I could totally see the mythology behind it. It should have gotten more award attention, and uh, yeah, I I could do nothing but applaud uh, oh, them for what they're for for Lynn Ramsey Ramsey um, Lynn Ramsey yeah Ramsey. yeah Got and I, I particularly name her because uh, as much as this movie is Joaquin Phoenix's movie, it's also a much about as much about her direction and and her choices as well, uh, which. Of course, can be a downside because, like I said, it's not commercially viable. Sure, you can't really market a movie with no. You can't really market an action movie without having fight scenes. So, what can you really put in the trailer? You know, um, but the choice to do that and the choice to be bold and the choice to have this deep, rich character study is amazing to me. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um, let's move on to my number two mm-hmm. of the year, and my number two of the year is a director who really made an impact, and I mean. 
impact. Now, mm. this is why this list is so fascinating, and that's why I love doing this with you, RB3, because I, I don't necessarily pick my favorites. I'm not picking like, oh, it's, it's my favorites of the year, and, and right. here's my top five. I'm picking the ones that I personally feel had an impact, mm-hmm. and that that's, that's really what I mean. And as far as impact on 2018, this guy is standing out probably more, almost more than anyone else when it comes to directors in the award attention category. And that to me is so amazing considering it's his first damn movie. And that is Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born. Oh, so you're putting Bradley Cooper up there. 100% deserves to be on on the most impactful of 2018 directors because everyone has seen A Star is Born. Everyone is talking about A Star is Born. He's a unanimous pick for best director. And that to me is crazy. Is he really the unanimous pick? Mm-hmm. Over Corona? No, I'm saying nomination. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, as far as like winning, I don't know. But yeah. the fact that he's even, dude, the fact that he's getting nominated, I personally, I'd nominate Bo Burnham, Boots Riley, mm. uh, Ryan Coogler over freaking Bradley, Co- uh, Ari Aster, yeah. every other first time director. I would personally nominate over Bradley. And the fact that he's getting more attention, and the fact that he's getting more than any of any of those directors that made, in my opinion, superior films is just incredible to me because he made a film that truly was for everyone. A, a, a movie that can hit that audience of of East Coast and West Coast, and it could still hit that audience of, like, Midwest, Man. South. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think this movie really had his heart in, like, that's Middle what America. I'm, like, that's hey, what I'm hey, saying. Hey, Middle hey. America yeah. really liked this movie, and Coast America really liked this movie. Yeah. It's that weird blend that Bradley Cooper was able to successfully do in making a country movie star fall in love with a pop movie star and, and blending those two worlds. The fact that they meet at a drag competition in, mm. in, inside a LGBT bar mm. it, it, it's the most I mean that's a bold statement within itself that uh, that that Bradley Cooper is trying to make mm. but the fact that he's very much in your face with the whole country music angle and the whole country right. rock star angle is still very much like I could see how middle America is like hell yeah rock on I love this yeah. movie mm-hmm. and I could see how the coast is still like hell yeah I love this movie he blends those two worlds, man, and he does it pretty well in that sense. Obviously, I don't think it's the best movie of the year, um, but it's still really successfully done. And the fact that he's getting attention for both acting and directing, I mean, that's crazy, man. I mean, the fact that that's your first film and you're getting award nominations for directing and acting in your first w- movie and it's making that much money. And it's, it's on top of all that RB3 the music associated with this movie is already hitting the freaking box of uh, the not the box office charts the the music charts oh yeah that's oh, 100%. crazy yeah that's crazy to me that Winning he's that awards and shit yeah <laughs> the fact that he's he's being able to accomplish a, a first time film a successful first time film getting award oscar nominations for it or award attention for it and getting freaking radio time for for the songs that he's playing yeah. in this in this in this Shallows. movie, shallow and 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 the first song he plays in this movie too, yeah. like that to me, the fact that Bradley Cooper is on the tip of everyone's tongue when it comes to 2018 and directors, 100% deserves to be on my list. And that's yeah. why I put him at number two. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I yeah. mean, those are that's very compelling. I I really do think that he uh, he. 
for 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 a director, like I said, for John Krasinski, being in front of camera and behind camera is tough. Also, playing guitar and singing is tough too. So yeah. it's like it's like he was fighting three uphill battles. And you know, the fact that this movie was originally supposed to be directed by Clint Eastwood, and then mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood casted, I think Bradley Cooper. Um, and it was, I think it was supposed to be Beyonce as the uh, as a as a pop star instead mm. of Lady Gaga, uh, but uh, 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 you know Clint Eastwood dropped, so uh, Bradley Cooper picked it up himself, and I, I thought that was always like a little ambitious, you know, especially for a movie that is. This has been a movie that's been remade four times, which mm. uh, or this is the fourth remake of it, which you know it can we could go into a, a larger conversation about like how MGM is continuing this trend of like remaking their movies cuz that's all they've done over the past 10 years make remake every single one of their movies um one of their classic movies at least but it's just crazy that that this this one out of all of out of all of these remakes out of all of the you know the crees that we saw uh uh what's the other what's the other MGM movies that they <laughs> remake they they've been remaking a lot recently but the Magnificent Seven, but the fact that this one stood out, this one was the one that put it over the top, uh, is crazy. I mean, it's also it's a show business movie, so obviously Hollywood's gonna love that a little more um, than they would normally. Um, but it's just it's just crazy that that it's fascinating to me that this movie had the the cultural impact that it had solely because it's a music movie. That's about country music. Like the fact that you're getting people, like you said, the people on the coast to care about this film because is, of Gaga. Is, yeah, it's Gaga. I think this Gaga. It's the, it's and the, the people in middle America because of Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper in the country. Yeah, and because American that, Sniper. Uh, and American Sniper. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent because American Sniper. Yeah. But I'm saying the fact that he's able to do both is mm. kind of remarkable if you think about it. Yeah. Nah, I don't necessarily now. think that it's best picture remarkable. But it's still remarkable, nevertheless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, regardless of my thoughts on this movie, I, I thought the movie was fine. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I definitely don't think it's best picture movie. I definitely don't think it's best of the year, and I definitely don't think um, Bradley Cooper should even be in this conversation. But he is. He is nonetheless. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of what I think and what I say, he is. People love it. People enjoyed it. Uh, a, a, a massive portion of, of American audiences related to it because of the two connections. He was able to take the craziness of Gaga and he was able to take the, the American sniper country musicness and mesh it together and make this crazy remake of A Star is Born and make yeah. it a successful, successful movie. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, that's that's a feat right there. Yeah, no, nah, uh, that's, a, that's a good pick, a strong pick. Yeah. Uh, Who's your uh, number two? My number two... Uh, so for for me, you know, we talk about like we talked about with the Avengers and with Black Panther movies that are blockbusters that have the director stamp on it. You know that mm. you feel the director like there. You know you feel the the auteurism. You feel the style. Um, and for me, no other blockbuster really encompassed that better for me than Mission Impossible Fallout this year. Um, so I got to name my, my man Chris McQuarrie, uh, the number two spy here. Um, that movie is director directing f- the, the coolest shit in the world. Like yep. the 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 one take when he's falling when they're falling out of the halo jump scene. That within it, that's you could just stop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's, like, he was he was again one almost. Yeah, I was gonna be him or James Wan or him and the. I was hard between him and the Russos. I had to yeah. pick the the blockbuster one. Yeah. And and I was like, man, it's tough. Cause Chris, you're right. Christopher McQuarrie, man. Keep going. Yeah. And, and I mean, and the fact that he's the first mission impossible director to direct two in a row goes to show that 
he he kind of took over this franchise. It's his now. And I honestly don't want to see anybody else direct these movies anymore, honestly. Um, because to me, I mean, I don't know. I, I think you disagree. But for me, the the plane jump sequence alone tops the, the Dubai sequence and Mission Impossible 4 for me. That Dubai sequence is never going to be top. Yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, But, it, but yeah. it's still crazy. You're right. That yeah. jump is insane. You're talking about the Halo jump? Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. thing made me feel... I immediately told my brother, I'm like, that's not real. And I was like, yeah. yo, that's real? They filmed it. What? Yeah, yeah, that was real. <laughs> as soon as I found out that was real, I freaked out. I was mm-hmm. like, no way, that's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. I thought that was all CG. No, nah, that's, that's absolute uh, perfection right there. Yeah. The, way, the way they handled that... The way I mean, there's there's a lot of other great uh, action moments in there, of course, too. Uh, the him running, the final battle, the final the final battle, him great. running, yeah, that's yeah. enough too, man. <laughs> Just him running, and especially through like those iconic the streets, like, yeah. yeah, streets, and him jumping over the building and breaking his ankle, oh my still God. picking it up after that too, like him on the bike on the motorcycle, yeah, oh yeah, him literally getting hit and knocked around, yeah, perfect man. I think the the action, the 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 fight scenes between the stash, uh, yeah, with <laughs> Henry Cavill. No, and, you're right. That fight scene in the in the, in the, bathroom. In the bathroom is yeah. still one of the best fight scenes. Man. Yeah, yeah, so, so good. So this is like homie, homie. I gotta give him a shout out. I forget his name. He was uh, he did the last Jedi fight scene. Uh, okay. He did that, which is sick too. Mm-hmm. And he's also the stunt double for Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? So shout out to him. He's a beast. Wow, that guy can fight. Is the, the Asian homie who, took, oh, that's who, him? who beat the shit out of Henry Cavill and, and Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. He beat the shit out of him. I was like, yo, it's gonna be a good fight, or it's gonna be like a beat. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was a straight up massacre. Yeah. He whooped him. Yeah. I, I love that fight scene. No, I think just overall, like in terms of action, this was the best directed action. That we saw this year. It, uh, it's tough, man, because this this year was definitely the year for action set pieces and action movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Impossible, uh, yeah. Avengers: Infinity War, uh, Aquaman, yeah. uh, Black Panther. Yeah, like o- all over, these. Overlord had also a Overlord take, uh, was cool. Jump, jump sequence. Uh, Upgrade had some dope ass action yeah. scenes. Uh, uh, did you see Girls in the Spider's Web? I didn't see that one. No. Girl in the Spider's Web had some dope action scenes. Like this was a dope year for action set pieces and action mm-hmm. movies for sure. But you're right, Christopher McQuarrie, hundred percent deserves to be up there, man. For yeah, sure. yeah. No, like you said, that Halo jump alone is like yeah, that's directed right there. Yeah, and I always think I think it's, it wasn't Hitchcock, but it was one director. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely misquoting, but uh, they said uh, a great movie is just uh, a good. A great movie is a good story with three great scenes, you know, uh, and that this movie encompasses that, you know, is everything else in the movie is really good, really tight, really well structured and edited and really uh, well, you know, paced and everything. But it's, it's the ending. It's, 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 it's the beginning. Uh, Halo jump It's the it's the it's the bathroom fight. And it's the ending stuff with the helicopter. Mm. Like all of that is just amazing blockbuster cinema that. Uh, we we don't really see as much. Also, the the, the dream sequence. I, I you know you know me. I hate dream sequence dream sequences, but the 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 sequences where uh, where Ethan Hunt would imagine uh, what the situation would gonna be would would be like, uh, and it would be visualized in a very like slow motion type of way. It was like super dope to me, man. Mm-hmm. Super dope. And it made a ton of money, man. Ton of money. Made a ton. It was of number. Money. I think it's number seven right now, right? Number eight of the year. Um, so, I am not sure. I think it might be number eight. Uh, number eight. Yeah, number eight. There just, we go. Just, uh, just after Aquaman. Just after Aquaman. Yeah, man. I mean, that's still like, whew. yeah. Props to them, man. Yeah. Domestically, I'm looking at domestic, so yeah. I, I don't know. Worldwide, it might be better. Um, but yeah, man. Shout out to Christopher McQuarrie for making a dope 
action movie for sure. Yeah. Speaking of dope action movies, my number one uh, is a director that I feel uh, broke. It, it, it just again, thinking about everything he's done this year is crazy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he he's breaking barriers, not just when it comes to box office and making the most money, mm-hmm. but he's breaking barriers when it comes to the the thing that I didn't think I would see in such a long time and that I've been complaining about and that a lot of nerds have been complaining about for years. And that is the respect that superhero movies deserve. And not just respect as far as critical success, but respect as far as award success. Mm-hmm. And that has never been attained before. And this is the year that gave us a director that was able to accomplish that already with award attention. And he's gonna do it again with the Academy Awards, and that is Ryan Coogler, is my number one director of 2018. The fact that he was able to not only make a successful box office comic book movie, something that a lot of people have done, Sam Raimi, uh, the MCU movies, The Dark Knight, like a lot of people have made comic book movies have, with a lot of money, but no director has done a comic book movie that not only has gotten critics to be so hyped about it, but gotten Academy snobs to be hype about it. And that to me is just already like, the fact that you were able to get these Academy old white snobs to care about a movie is is the biggest feat ever. The first this movie will probably be the first superhero movie ever to be nominated for Best Picture. That to me is like, ever, man. I mean, we've had it for years. How many years have we had of these crazy comic book movies? And we never had one that has had award attention. Finally, Ryan Coogler delivered that by giving us a culturally impactful film, like you said, not only in America, because it's one of the big, it's the biggest domestically now uh, in 2018, but in the world, it has a worldwide impact, billion-dollar movie that has transcended culture when it comes to music, when it comes to identity, when it comes to uh, actors becoming bigger than they are, when it comes to um, uh, online culture with, with Killmonger, with, with Black Panther, with Shuri becoming an icon already, and she's just a small part of this movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a, a phenomenal feat, the fact that, there's so many people that saw this movie that have never seen an MCU movie before. That that right there, just by saying that, should be an accomplishment within itself. The fact that there were so many people who went to see this movie and had never seen an MCU movie before mm-hmm. just because they were so fascinated by what Ryan Coogler was going to deliver. That opening night I went to see this movie, you had a different experience than I did, obviously, because you saw the premiere. Mm-hmm. I went to the opening night at the Arclight where all the theaters were Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, and people got dressed up. I saw a lot of people in African clothes and stuff, and I was like, yo, this is crazy. (laughs) Uh, And people were just, it it became a event movie, a true event movie with no other predecessor, right? Mm -hmm. Infinity War was also an event movie, but they had a lot of predecessors. They had Age of Ultron, Infinity War, they had all these other MCU movies. Black Panther didn't have a predecessor. This was the first Black Panther movie, and, and it really did deliver something that I can't believe I'm seeing, finally. Yeah. As a nerd, as a super crazy nerd, seeing the award attention being given to a superhero movie, that within itself is the biggest accomplishment of the year by far. Yeah, Ryan Coogler is just stepping up his game to legendary status already. And the guy is like two, three years older than me. It's yeah. crazy, man. Right. And the fact that he's like the chillest dude ever. Yeah, you, you, you see, see him in interviews, interviews he's yeah. so chill. Yeah. 
I'm like, bro, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still wake up, man. <laughs> you got to be cockier. <laughs> but he's not. You're the best director in the world. Yeah, right now. I was gonna like, say you got to nah. be cocky, man. Um, nah, but again, hey. I would give, I would give, and I, I, I got crap for saying this on Twitter. I would give him best director over a lot of people right now, mm-hmm. as far as like nomination goes. Right, 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 right. I'd give him a nom over Cooper, to yeah. be honest. But I, so I still too. think Cooper. Had a huge impact this year, but I still feel like Coogler really did something special with the music, the atmosphere. I mean, the music, man. Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. Uh, uh, shout out to Ludwig. Yeah. Um, the music, the atmosphere, the 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 costume design, the production design. This movie's gonna sweep some awards, man. It's really oh, gonna take yeah. a lot. It's gonna take a lot of awards. It's definitely gonna do costume design. Yeah. Or production, production design. design. Yeah, maybe not VFX. <laughs> maybe not VFX, but maybe score. I mean, score uh, deserves score. a nomination. Yeah, for sure. score does definitely deserves a nomination. Um, uh, probably some some sort of regard in like editing too, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean, that's why. I mean, I the, the a, album, man. I mean, that album with like I said before, the album deserves the Oscar just for well, that. The, I mean, the, the album's nominated for album of the year, yeah. record of the year, song of the year. Yeah. <laughs> nominated for every category that a movie soundtrack. Yeah, have you noticed uh, recently on the radio? I don't know if you've noticed over this past week and the past two weeks, mm. they've been replaying um, uh, all the stars, all the stars, uh, all the yeah. time. Have they're you noticed trying, that? Nah, I haven't noticed. They've they're been really playing trying to, that a lot to build that campaign, man. I was like, why am I hearing this again? This was like last year's song. It's because Disney, yeah, the they're Go trying ahead. to pump it out. They're like, you remember Black Panther? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this song. Yeah. Well, see, that's, that's see, a great song, too. That's funny because this is a year that we have both a Stars Born soundtrack being nominated for some record of the year, The Shallows, and All the Stars being nominated. Two original movie songs nominated for record yeah. of the year at the Oscars. That usually never happens. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I still think Spider-Man should be in there, too. Um, yeah, I probably didn't qualify. Yeah. But uh, but uh, uh, which one? The Sunflower? The Sunflower joint? Sunflower. Any, any of them. Uh, I, yeah. like the, I like Juice World. Ju- the Juice World yeah. song in the soundtrack. Which, is that uh, um, Hyde? I think so, yeah. yeah Hyde the one towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. Um, I just love Ju- Juice World's my guy. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's I mean, that's why I put him at number five. I didn't really have like an order to this list. Sure. Um, but yeah, I put him at number one. You put him as a number one. There's but no I mean, way he's not number one for me. But in terms of yeah, but in terms of like the achievements, yeah, that's definitely uh, yeah, man. He had that achievement. He you had know, the he, biggest of them all. Uh, he definitely stood out. Um, and yeah, you know, and think about it. As far as money and as far as critical success. Yeah, I mean, it, there's bar none. There's no one who can touch him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, no, and uh, much, much respects to Cooler, and, and definitely, you know, fight on because USC. Um, even you talk about him being not being cocky. I've heard plenty of stories of like him being like the nicest guy. Oh, back okay. In I was gonna school. say, yeah. uh, <laughs> I've heard plenty of stories of him throwing doors at people, nah. <laughs> throwing chairs. John Thayer, nah, nah, no chairs. <laughs> I was like, RB three, tell us more. Nah, nah, nah. I, I hear Cooler. Yeah, he seems nice like a nice guy. guy so yeah, I. I uh, much respect to him, man. Yeah, hope he's cashing if in. If you've seen, if you've seen a uh, video of him directing Creed, it's yeah. pretty funny because yeah. he's a very physical guy. Yeah. He's very intense. He's an intense dude, mm. but he's like getting in the face of, of uh, Michael B. Jordan. He's like, "Come on, man! I want you graphic guy, and I want you." And he's like directing him, but he's like very intense and physical too. Yeah, um, well, he comes from a football background. That's what I'm so. saying. Yeah, because he's a he's a he's a he's a buff dude. Yeah. So he's he's very much like I don't want this guy to <laughs> get on my bad side. Mm. <laughs> Directors mm. being angry and. Right. I wouldn't want this guy to tackle me. <laughs> yeah, but either way, man, for me, he took 2018, 100%. Yeah. yeah. What's your uh, number one? My number one, uh, you know, again, this is like a non-traditional list or whatever. But yeah. you talk about Ryan Coogler busting the glass ceiling for, for comic book movies. 
Um, and I've talked a lot about streaming services, and I feel like this director has broken the glass ceiling for Netflix. And I gotta say, Alfonso Cuarón, hey, my guy. You picked the Mexican. I'll pick the black guy. Hey, that's what's up. <laughs> uh, I also pick. I also picked the black guy before. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's <laughs> number five. That's true. Um, but and uh, I didn't pick the back. No, also, but you know, I almost put Guadon. But also, but I would. I mean, I gotta say, like, if it was just based on like who I think is who directed the best movie this year, I'd say uh, Barry Jenkins for uh, about about okay. Bill Street. Who would you talk. give the Oscar to right now, uh, best director? If I had to give the Oscar to one person, I give it to Jenkins, Barry Jenkins. Okay, I give it to more him. than Guadon. Uh, more than Caron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because I like that movie, I like Bill Street more, and I sure. think it's you know. I like that movie more, but um, but in terms of having a Netflix movie, you know, we talked, you know, obviously like Amazon had movies with Manchester by the Sea, and I think they had another movie nominated before. Uh, but Netflix has always been getting the brunt of the criticism, and, and they've been it, trying for years. They've man. been trying. They tried with hard with the Idris Elba movie, Beast, Beast, of, of, no, uh, Beast, Beast of No Nation, Beast of No Nation, Mudbound, yeah, Mudbound. Uh, They've been trying forever, but I think Roma, Roma is finally the one that's going to break that Best Picture glass ceiling. It's going to win Best Foreign Language Film, probably, um, which is another huge accomplishment too. Uh, and I think that the way that this movie, this movie is wholly Alfonso Cuarón. You know, it's based on his personal experiences. It feels like this is an this is a, a, an amateur's movie. You know, it's it's, it's his it's. It's all of his storytelling. It's very specifically from his perspective. And it's all of the traditions that you'll see in an Alfonso Cuarón. This is what's most impressive to me. It's all the stuff you will see in a normal Alfonso Cuarón movie, the the neo-Italian you know, influence, the, the, the French New Wave influence, the free-moving camera, the long takes. But it's restrained and it's pulled back and it's very – it's presented in a very whimsical type way that, you know, and – but it's still very uh, objective and, and has those like very straight kind of pans and dollies and all that stuff. So it, it's a switch up of his directorial style to make it more personal. And then the fact that it's being put up on Netflix and the fact that it's really changing, the, shaking up the industry and the way that he's been responding to a lot of the, the criticism of that, you know, because I always I've been saying this forever, man. The media is just gonna hate Netflix. They're the at least the movie media, the varieties, the deadlines, all that. Sh- they're always just gonna hate Netflix. They always are because it directly hurts their bottom line. You know, if people aren't if if they don't have, uh, if, or really every everybody's gonna hate Netflix. Essentially, the movie theaters are gonna hate on Netflix. The media is gonna hate on Netflix because it doesn't feed their bottom line mm-hmm. uh, in that same kind of way. Netflix is a more immediate thing. People don't look to critic reviews to watch Netflix movies. People don't. You know, people aren't going to Variety or whatever, to or whatever these sites are to buy tickets through their things, or they they can't. You know, they think so. Streaming thing is going to hurt their bottom line because Netflix doesn't put really any money into the promotion of their stuff, so they're getting less ad money if big Netflix movies end up becoming bigger and bigger. So of course they're going to ask them biased questions like they asked them the uh, when he won the Golden Globe. Yeah, and they're they're like, oh, why do you? What? How do you remember the exact question that they asked him? But he said like, listen, if this is a movie starring non-professional Mexican actors with a medium-sized budget, a, a, a fair budget, and the whole world can see it, what more do you want? Like this is if that's not pure. Cinema, if that's not pure access to cinema, if that's not a director having the whole of his vision without any interference 
from you know the studio and stuff like that and is getting put out there and is getting award attention and is and is blowing people's minds to me that that is a huge feat in accomplishment 100 percent, man I, I agree with everything you said even though i don't agree with everything you said as far as <laughs> netflix goes i i just feel there's some issues there but as far as what afonso cuadron uh, accomplished this year with netflix you're right this is finally what netflix has been looking for for like six years i don't know how long they've been trying but they've been trying for years yeah to get the respect as far as award attention mm -hmm. to get the respect as far as a production company and a platform and a streaming service and everything within itself because netflix is all within house mm -hmm. um this is the movie that they've been looking for yeah. finally they found it this is what it's going to give him uh, an Oscar Best Picture nomination. It's going to probably get him a win for Best Director. Mm -hmm. um, and, and doing that from a Netflix movie, something that people laughed at five years ago, yeah. uh, is, a, is a feat within itself. You're right. It, yeah. it, it, once again, he almost made my list just for that reason alone. Yeah. Um, the whole conversation within Netflix is very interesting for me. Obviously, I've been critical of a little bit of it just because I feel like um, – Netflix is great at giving directors the vision they want, at, at giving the directors the money that they need and the vision that they want. Netflix is perfect at that. I, I, can't, I can't argue against that. The one thing I can argue is what I've been saying for years is that the problem with that is that Netflix is giving all this money towards production budget. And then when it comes to the promotion of their movie, they really play favorites and they really do bury the shit out of movies. Uh, hashtag hold the dark. Have you seen hold the dark? No. Exactly. Have you heard of Hold the Dark? Uh, I haven't heard of it. No. That's fine. Exactly. It, this, who, who did that one? This is a movie by uh, the director of uh, Green Room and the director of, uh, I forget the other movie he did, but he he was like, it was a pretty decently sized budget movie starring Alexander Skarsgård. Um, and it's a dark thriller movie that Netflix just buried. No promotions, no nothing, no no ads, like one or two ads. And it was not on the front page of Netflix. It wasn't even on the second page of Netflix. It wasn't even on the categories of Netflix. I literally had to type it in to watch this movie. And that's the problem with Netflix is that they made the movie, uh, what's his face? The director of this movie, Hold the Dark, made the movie he wanted to make 100%. They gave him all the money he wanted, 100%. But no one saw the movie. No one saw it because Netflix buried it. Because Netflix is a, is a catalog of, of so many options that if the option that you want to see isn't there, you're not going to see the movie. And that's the, that's well, the issue I have with Netflix because I really feel like they take chances with directors and then they're like, eh, we'll give it a 30-second spot and that's it. We'll spend like two, 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 two bucks on it because we already spent like 50 million on the movie or 40 million on the movie production budget. And then they're like, eh, we'll bury it. And now it's buried and no one ever saw this movie, RB3. No one saw yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I... I I think I like, mean I think there 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 could be something like not even scrolling through Netflix you could find we'll like see, that to but, me is like a big issue because it's well, and they've done that a lot they did that with the Jessica Williams movie that I saw and that no one saw I don't know if you know who I, she is I don't know who that um, is she's from the Daily Show she did a movie last year I think and it was a great Netflix movie no one saw it because it wasn't there because it got buried well see here's the thing here's the thing I think that particularly with Netflix like I don't I don't really know was buried or was not buried because. Their algorithms are so like all over the place. Sure, but I think when I they, see they, when there's a new Netflix show, you hear about it. 
Well, some, and, but some, mm, but no, there's a, there's an entire, there's entire, there's, as you know, far the, as like, you know, there's a show with, if the I guy go from on Harry Netflix, Potter, sure, the, but if I go on Netflix.com, yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying not necessarily but, like on the subway. But no, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Like that, the Netflix website is catered towards algorithms, right? Sure. So, like, if, so for example, if people, if, if somebody watches a specific type of, of genre, if somebody sure. watches a lot of comedy, a lot of comedies are going to show up on their Netflix. Yeah, but I watch kit. a lot of thrillers, and but that's what I'm saying. Like, but they show also, up for me. The, I don't. I see. That's why I don't know what their algorithm is. But sure. then I could. But so that's why I can't say like if, like I definitely think I've watched things on Netflix that I think that nobody else has watched. Sure. But that's because the, I know for a fact that the algorithm knows that I like political movies and the algorithm knows sure. that I like comedy. So it'll push me towards some sort of weird political comedy that nobody's heard of. And I'd be like, hey, have you heard of this movie? Oh, no, you haven't. What, what the fuck? Like, but I think that's just part of the algorithm shit. So I don't, so I, I personally can't defend or say if like, oh, I don't know if they're like bearing. I just feel not. like when but. it comes to Netflix produced movies, new releases, there should be more of a push and they don't do that. Well, see, it, they it, only do it for movies like Roma. Well, no, they did it. Right. They did it. They did it big for uh, the ballad of Buster Scruggs too. The, the Buster Coen, brothers. Coen brothers. But then also it's another one. But when it comes to like no name indie movies, that a lot of people are like, Netflix is saving them. Are they? Are they saving them? Because when it comes to like, if you buy up a, a, a tiny indie movie and then you throw it away in your back catalog, is that saving it? That's I my mean, that's my issue. It's just that I feel like a lot of people are like, no one would have seen this movie if it wasn't for Netflix. I'm like, did anyone even see it on Netflix? Well, see, but we don't. But we don't know. They don't release the numbers, so like, they we don't. don't. We, we have no idea. Probably it could have been one of the highest, biggest movies for all we know. But we just don't know because uh, yeah, I, we don't I, have I know, access to numbers. That's true, but I know for sure that it was. <laughs> but then I'm sure. But I'm sure if I'm sure if 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 we were to speak to like a Nef- somebody from Netflix or if you were to. If you were to question them as to like why doesn't this movie show up on this, they'll probably give you some explanation along the lines of like because I I wonder the same thing about YouTube. YouTube is a, a more recent thing that sure. is having an algorithm problem, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, YouTube only pushes me in a very specific direction because mm-hmm. I like I like hip hop music, I like movies, and I like politics. Yeah. So only three things that show up in my recommended hundred percent are too. those related topics. Uh, Netflix I've noticed recently has been doing this thing for me at least like. Is definitely pushing me towards. They know I like critically acclaimed movies, and know I like political movies. So that's all I see on my feed. When I'm trying to find something funny, I just can't find it. I, I but agree when I go with on my you. boy K's Netflix, all he watches is stand up comedy. So all that show up on his, I agree. is fucking stand up. One hundred percent agree with you. Here's my counter to that. My counter to that is. Hold a dark. I looked for this movie when it came out, when it premiered on Netflix. Usually Netflix is pretty good with their premieres, whether it be Altered Carbon, whether it be Roma, whether it be New House of Cards season premiere, whether it be The Ballad of Buster Screws. When it comes to like Friday night on a Netflix, you know, because Friday is usually when they release their content. Mm. This is the movie I looked for and I couldn't find it. And I was like, the movie just came out, bro. What is what is your deal, Netflix? Like, I should be able to find this movie within three clicks. And it took me like 10 clicks. It took me uh, typing out the entire title of the movie to mm-hmm. be able to find this movie. And I was like, it just came out. Why are you burying this? Like, it really felt like a clear diss towards this movie where Netflix is saying, yes, we are going to work with the director and we're going to give him everything the director wants. However, when it comes to promoting that movie, eh, 
we'll try our best. Like that to me feels like, come on, man, you got to try a little harder than that. Because I feel like there might be some gems on Netflix that a lot of people don't see. And I feel like that's an issue. And obviously the whole theatrical release is another conversation that we can have because I personally feel like, again, I saw Roma in theaters. I can't imagine seeing a movie like that at home. And a lot of people are, you know, may call me a purist or an idiot. And that's fine. I, I agree. I probably am. Um, but at the same time, it's something that I personally feel where it's like, it's difficult for me to say, I'm going to watch a Netflix movie at home and, and be 100% there. Like I said to you last year when we had our Netflix conversation, our Netflix fight, whatever, mm. uh, I told you, I was like, what if Get Out came out on Netflix? It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the revelation that it was. I would still agree with that. I still don't think that Get Out would have had the impact that it had. I, sh I just don't think so. Part yeah, of the power of Get Out was the theatrical reaction, the theatrical experience of seeing this movie with your friends I, and I being connected to all. Oh, dude, 100%. No, I, no, I think, no, I think I agree with I would have been like, I that was cute. The, that was a fun movie. But with, in theaters, I was like, yo, this is the shit. No, no, no. Let's I, go, I, Chris. I agree with like, the theatrical I thing. I agree with the theatrical thing. Yeah. But I think the reaction this movie would have had if it was on Netflix the, the Netflix is built for social media, and that's why movies True. like Bird Box just oh, take the fuck that's off. A, don't get me started so, like, on Bird Box. But, but, I thought Bird Box was whack. But it, it, it was whack, but it was whack. But if you think if you think a movie like Get Out, if that would have got on Netflix, you think Black Twitter wouldn't have got a hold of that and made that the biggest movie ever? Maybe, but it, I, I just don't feel like... Oh, because, okay, be, you're right. It would have been hot on Twitter for a good two weeks, but it wouldn't have gotten award attention. Okay, sure, but that's why I, I applaud Quran Quite for on, Because for, he's finally doing it. That. But that's then, true. But see, also, also too, like, there, there are entire... You know, to me, to me the, whole, the whole bearing or non-bearing, a theatrical, non-theatrical thing, mm. kind of... Uh, kind of, for me, for me, I don't, I, I have a hard time looking at that too because I think of what's the what's the one movie that's they have the super popular like romantic movie to all the boys or some oh, shit to all the boys I love before yeah 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 apparently that's their biggest movie ever right yeah. or something like that yeah I think of the year I think not once have I seen that pop up in my, in my thing not uh -huh. once yeah not one time. I, I literally had to. I tried have you searching seen, for. Have it. you seen the movie? I haven't seen it. No, okay. uh, but nor do I care to because it's yeah, not my it's kind not of good. movie. It's not good. Uh, but but like I say, like I like I'm like like I I think that they cater to whatever they cater to whatever audience or algorithm sure. works for them, and then explode and blow it up more and more through that through that through that yeah. in, in ways. So, I feel like there's certain uh, movies like To All the Boys I Loved Before and all the other crappy teenage rom-coms that they put out on yeah. Netflix. Sorry, Netflix. Um, you put out a lot of crappy teenage rom-coms. You just do. That's fact. Um, but compare that to like something like uh, like a Roma. It's it's difficult for me to swallow my pride of not watching that in theaters. I don't know why. It just is. I'm curious. Yeah. And, and I was going to tweet this out, and I never did just because I don't want to insult people who love Netflix. But I'm curious this isn't an, an insult towards anyone who says yes to this question, mm. just because I personally feel like, and I've had a lot of debates about, uh, I had a lot of debates with mo movie fans like me, movie purists, mm. uh, about this conversation, but how many times, if ever, like not even once, how many times ever did you look at your phone during Roma? I mean, I didn't. You didn't? No, I didn't, no. But I'm I mean, curious what the, what the, if people answered honestly to that question, I'm curious how many times with a movie as slow and as deliberate and as pure cinema 
fly on the wall type of movie that Roma is. How many people looked at their phones? I mean, I can't lie. I probably would have done it like I did it to all the boys I loved before like five times, and then that was just me yeah. being. And I'm a and I'm a kind of guy who doesn't do that. Yeah. But at the same time, for me, it, just the theatrical experience is never going to be the same as just like, um, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, oh, that person died. Cool. Oh, okay. Uh, it, how much time is left in this movie? Like, right. you see what I'm saying? Like, even movies like Bird Box. Like, how many times did you check Twitter on Bird Box? I did probably like twice. You see what I'm saying? Like, right. it, it, Netflix is never gonna have take away that stigma. It's never gonna do it. Yeah, and, 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 then, and it's unfortunate. But that's, but that's TV, the case. But that's TV in general. I mean, that's, that's that's the criticism. Towards but that's like why TV watching too. it at home is different than watching it in theaters. I, I personally feel. Yeah. I don't think Netflix is going to kill theaters, though. Like, I don't think it's going to kill theaters, but I, I feel like the theatrical experience is so different from movies like Roma, like If Beale Street Could Talk, uh, these slow indie movies that that not like movies like Bright or like To All the Boys I Loved Before, which is a rom-com. Those right. movies are fine. Like You can watch that at home and it's fine. But movies like Roma, movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, stuff like that where it's like, oh, the only way I'm going to get something out of this movie is watching it in a theater, personally. That's yeah. just my personal. Well, take. hey man, let's hope Netflix curves make uh, gets the learning curve up and yeah. get get that. Up. But I I I I don't know. I I still I'm still the I'm still the reigning defender of Netflix. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You, you can go back every episode we ever talked about Netflix. That's right. I'm always gonna have the same position. And I think that I think that overall, uh, the fact that Roma is being this like new prestige thing that uh, that the Academy is falling over. Hopefully. Hopefully that continues a trend of them understanding that more people want to see want to see Best Picture nominees. More people want to have access to these movies uh, because a, a lot point. of people because because now a lot of people could just hop on Netflix and see Roma if That's it's nominated true. for Best Picture, and that of course is going to bully it up more. That's going to bring it more more attention to it. So hopefully, if the Academy if the Academy and all these award shows start recognizing the streaming movies more, then we'll see more attention going to. Uh, these films and, and, and getting getting boasted up as well. So. Yeah, and Cuaron did something this year that that a lot of people didn't even think would be possible to do, and yeah. that's get a Netflix movie probably nominated for Best Picture, and he'll probably win for Best Director. Rightfully so, to be honest, man. I mean, again, the only other person I would give it to would probably be someone like a Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, every everyone else to me, as far as director wise, those are the ones to beat: Barry yeah. Jenkins and Cuaron. And the fact yeah. that he did that off a Netflix movie, yeah. a black and white Spanish. Netflix movie, yeah. yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty remarkable feat. Yeah, so, give give Spike a nomination too. I say give Spike a nomination. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I put Black Klansman at my number two, so yeah, hundred percent deserves a nomination. Yeah. Either way, guys, that is our top five directors of 2018. Let us know who are your top five directors of 2018. Who do you think had the big impact year of? directors let us know in the comments down below and once again subscribe to first cut man if you hey. haven't done so already please give us that subscription and yeah. if you're listening to us on the collider factory podcast feed go yeah. to uh, our youtube channel first cut and give us a follow first cut and also our soundcloud uh oh yeah, uh, our SoundCloud. yeah soundcloud the meaning of uh just at the meaning of do it up on soundcloud either way for the meaning of podcast guys i am ace is rb3 and we are peacing out peace out guys oh shit my bad <laughs>